0: Sleepy Computer.
1: Hello and welcome to the third episode of Sleepy Computer. We're kind of hitting our stride now.
0: Yeah, I think we're really getting uh, a feel for for the text. And I think the computer is as well.
1: So for this one we thought maybe we'd have a go at something with a bit more suspense um, and hopefully a bit less bloodshed. I thought we'd go for a heist story.
0: Ooh, I think like, uh, so when I think heist, I'm thinking high octane, high drama, sexy. It might be
1: sexy. We don't know. I'm not sure what understanding of sexy the machine has. I guess we'll have to find out. Okay, so we'll generate ourselves an AI heist story and see how we get on. His name was James Cogswell. He was a career criminal who was now good. He had serious money troubles and an extended network of criminal friends. James Cogswell began his career as a salesman with what we here in New York call farming. We buy the seeds, we cut ourselves and we make it grow with some fertiliser chemicals. He was able to cultivate over 50 plants per month on one small land site of high quality cannabis. This began his spiral into the crime racket. I mean, does that meet the definition of farming?
0: Uh, Well, I know this because I'm from from a farming town, and you do cut yourself.
1: It's an important part. I mean, how can you expect the plant to uh, sacrifice itself if you're not going to sacrifice yourself? James was born on November the 14th, 1927, in Richmond, Kentucky, the daughter of Joseph Cogswell, a lawyer in Virginia, and Margie Eilman, a nurse in Arkansas. He opened his heart to one woman, Sally, who had never lived in prison or been arrested because the police saw her as a minor. Oh, Ooh. Oh
0: no! Oh, oh no!
1: <laughs> She's a minor, that's... that's concerning. Well, maybe she wasn't a minor when they met. Uh,
0: um... <laughs>
1: <laughs> she was aged only 19 at the time, and although that fact was the primary factor James was between 20 and 30 in many ways, she was extremely bright. She didn't know about his history, although he gave her two and a half hours in which to ask any questions which she needed an answer to. She mainly asked about food, about music and literature, and where the nearest coffee place could be. He never allowed her to ask anything else though, for her questions were too intrusive.
0: Um. That's a red flag, my dude.
1: <laughs> I, think it's, I think that's pretty standard uh, practice in a new relationship, to just give the other person a fixed time window to ask any questions about your past. And and if they don't think of anything important to ask, they can never ask you a question about your past again.
0: If I may say, she did shit the bed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> she asked, like, terrible
0: questions. <laughs> I think my first question would be, are you a serial killer? Or a criminal.
1: Or a criminal, right.
0: And I feel as though she probably should have asked, are you a criminal? Seeing how this is going.
1: She also didn't know about their money troubles, or how much he owed their landlord, who was one time the son of the chief superintendent. He kept it from her, which wasn't as distasteful after the previous year's secrets. That's how it works. One secret per year you're allowed (laughs) to keep from your spouse.
0: It's like Christmas, but
1: awful he'd never told her that he lived with a prostitute every so often or that he was one of four partners who each paid one or two thousand pounds into a giant bank of cocaine and prostitution one thing was certain though james refused to give her a reason not to marry into his family family james stumbled down the stairs and picked up the letters by the front door he flipped them over and read them aloud to himself
0: dear sir You owe us money, and you're making us look stupid by not giving it to us. We're going to have to get rid of you if you don't get it to us before we do. It's just a matter of time.
1: I cannot tell you how intimidated I would be to receive a letter from Kermit the Frog.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Kermit the Frog here. Get us the money or we'll break your legs. James said, Oh my god, what am I going to do? I owe 2,000 pounds to my landlord, and I don't know what to do about it. I also owe £1,000 to the bank, and also to the car. I've got to find a way to get out of these bad financial circumstances.
1: He didn't have the courage to tell Sally why he was going down the dark and lonely path, but he could do this little thing to save her and her family from his financial troubles. The money was worth dying to receive, and he had a plan to get it. He could connect his old best friend George and beg him to help him get in contact with the old crew. They just needed to pull off one last job, one last trick on the job, to get some cash into James's pocket. James's old schoolteacher had once given the young man a few tricks on how to pull off the scam, and he had never forgot that lesson. The first trick he learned was how to use a telephone to ring the people who had a hand in a large debt he was about to go to jail for, and then get them to hand over the money without a word of complaint by using his powers of persuasion. And the second trick was what his old schoolteacher called... The Bounty Game.
0: Ooh!
1: I hope this is like a game where you conceal chocolates on your person. Oh, Coconut! <laughs> is the coconut by your upper thigh, is my guess. In this con, you got someone, a person with the powers to give people false news, information that is a hundred times worse than lies. And you would get them all together and tell them all, one day, that they were getting robbed in a bank. As a result of all the bad press the bank was getting, the huge insurance company would be filing a large amount of money and he could borrow it to pay the debts. I mean, I am following the scam.
0: <laughs> is, is the AI giving us ideas?
1: This was a classic PL in your purse scheme. If one could only get it against people, you could be confident that you wouldn't lose a bit.
0: Ah uh, yes a pnl in your purse scheme i'm a big fan
1: i've been following a lot of the pnl in your purse schemes and, uh,
0: i'm well
1: aware one of my favorite genres of uh, financial crime he got through to george and asked him whether his parents knew about this scam because he wanted to use it again on others and george's parents were all well known and rich citizens they were quite knowledgeable about this stuff george was quick to put this into
0: the mix jimmy boy you have the best chance of making my parents believe anything I've seen all you talk about in public, and the way you talked with people shows you're capable of dealing with it, even if we do some very nasty crap that might come from you. Maybe we should make some big bad decisions, but I think we don't have to make a big problem with it because we know we're all in this one thing together. James, I know you're in money problems. You haven't been able to get it from your parents for years. I understand the difficulty of it, and I think you've got to go big and get it back.
1: James was surprised by his friend's suggestion. George was usually very light-hearted with his friends, but James was not. He detected a certain contempt in his friend's tone, and it was hard not to feel sympathy for George. George had always been a good friend to James, and he was very hardworking. James considered him one of the best lawyers that Britain ever produced.
0: I did not know he was British.
1: (laughs) James considered him one of the best lawyers that Britain ever produced, even though he was actually a pretty bad lawyer. It seems so unlikely that in the middle of the year that George would suggest a huge emergency scam. But I guess everyone will have their way,
0: even George. I haven't spoken a whole word with you in 20 years. And you aren't very funny when I do. But what you've said tonight really does shock me. I completely agree. The emergency scam, the whole mess, will probably make millions. I'm really excited, really sad, and nervous about going to bed in case this doesn't happen. George agreed that they
1: shouldn't go to bed because their business may be worth a ton of money and they should spend the night thinking about how this is a terrible idea and coming up with a better scam. James ordered some coffee to break up any boredom and asked George if he wanted more coffee so that they were both able to keep their minds in their hats and focus all of this stuff on their business.
0: Sure, I think it would help. I can also order a pizza. It should be delicious. James was totally into that.
1: A big Pizza for this late in was exactly what he needed to get through today. A perfect pie to eat to remind themselves how much of their energy they were wasting on this bullshit. James asked George which toppings might be good, as well as what kind of sauces they want. George decided that maybe the crust should have the word greed all over it, and asked which toppings there were. James read out
0: the list. You can choose from cheese, parmesan, hot chocolate, red onion, tomato sauce, pepper jelly beans, cream, cream sauces, peanut sauce, hot wings, or hot potato. Pretty standard list of toppings. I mean, that's what you find at any Pizza Express.
1: George was disappointed.
0: That's just too cheesy, he thought,
1: and doesn't even cover his meats, especially those red inclusions. He sighed and made his order.
0: Can I have the meat for the pizza in extra heavy white fat instead? Also, let me use the pizza topping as a dipping vessel. Also, can I get salad for my dessert? I also need to stop the carbs, and carbs is so over my head with pizza.
1: I mean, it's pretty normal to ask for your meat to be sort of surrounded by extra heavy white fat.
0: Well, I just know that I usually use the dipping uh the topping as as a dipping vessel a <laughs> <laughs> just just
1: put all my topping in the middle, please, and I will dip the pizza I into it do,
0: just like so, pizza fondue
1: ever so lightly just dip James was a bit embarrassed but accepted and agreed to these conditions and phoned mm. the nearest pizza place John John Pizza Bar and Kitchen.
0: maybe he's cousins with Wayne Wayne. Yeah.
1: Their tagline was, delight your cheese pecs in any sauce you want. So obviously they were pretty big on toppings. They were now free to get on with their day, planning the heist. James told John John on the phone about it and then told him not to tell the police and to have fun.
0: Why has he told the pizza delivery guy? I don't know.
1: George and John agreed on one thing about the plan. It must be very, very hot. They both wanted an even share of the profits. And what would the cops and lawyers think of it? Well, they could make a lot of noise about what he did and why he did it, but really all they could do is wait for him to do the crime. They needed to select a target. George had suggested the most lucrative one so the cops would be afraid of it. The National Grid, the country's electrical generator. He liked the idea of stealing all the national power in one operation. It wasn't cheap, but it would make them feel powerful and confident. James wasn't sure how to fit it in their 2004 Volvo, So George suggests getting an Audi, but James wasn't sure he was getting
0: the point. George, why don't we target the whole country in one move by infiltrating the government? And just do a very simple one. We could break into the Department of Transportation and steal their power source. We'd get a fortune, and we'd be free to drive for weeks in front of everyone else without being stopped or arrested
1: George couldn't believe the unbelievable thing (laughs) Um, a bit of a tautology. his brain couldn't believe it his head was so full with all these theories he was ready to throw up his hands and say he was going to sleep
0: I'm going to sleep
1: but the more he thought about it the more he saw a lot of potential it felt as if the world wanted him and they didn't like him being a little freaked out James had a twinkle in his eye the whole time and the moment he saw his first target, the federal government, in his mind, everything exploded into high gear. With the most important department crippled to the very core, the country would only be able to look on with disbelief as he drove around the nation trying to destroy these big things to bring him lots of money. James and George would need a crew to go undercover and be a double assassin in order to open the door one of them would have to go to the Department of Transport by taking the train to go to Washington D.D. They'd also need to recruit a new hitman who they'd hired because he'd been to the Pentagon before and wanted to do what he did best. They planted a getaway car in the hotel suite with a lot of money hidden inside a pocket, big chrome keys, plus plenty of drugs. The whole gang headed in through the basement of the hotel as George and James started putting on a very loud mask they had flown in from the UK. It was an incredibly dramatic thing everybody thought, but it was well better than having to be killed.
0: Now, what I also like about this story is the fact that you know usually like in in a lot of high stories they go through that flashy opening where they're like this is like the code breaker and this is the watchmaker who's it. He does he flicks switches. But here they're just like they have the gang. It's already ready. Don't worry about. Don't ga- worry about d- don't it. Don't ask
1: questions about the gang. Uh, like everyone's got a job to do. We're
0: sorted. Don't worry. Don't ask. They died at the end. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe.
1: They all piled into the suite and found a bed under glass, which had two people inside sleeping and wearing nothing but clothes from clothes shopping. So they thought they would try and find another room. This time they were able to talk through the details of the plan without being disturbed by others in the room, <laughs> or the screaming. James called out to the ragtag crowd that were already here.
0: Okay, let's go through the plan for getting out of this hotel and stealing some gold jewelry or some diamonds or something. Everyone get out your watch and get ready because there's some type of crime or some icky event to do.
1: He started to laugh and laugh, maniacally, pointing to one girl that looked like they were about to vomit on one hand and bending his knees as far apart from everybody as possible. Everyone else started laughing out loud and moving about in circles, with George being the only exception to go to the bathroom and wipe his forehead. It was nearly 5am. Everyone was tired to their teeth. But it was time to get to work. And that's the end of the first part. I mean... I mean I I'm, I'm tired to my teeth of reading it.
0: Uh, my teeth have fallen out. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, I think there's less
1: exposition than normal. Like we've just gone on with it. They're meeting together. As you say, we've met like two characters total, right? But, but that's But it's vivid. Like I know what they're going to do. There's a plan, there's a there's a there's a heist underway.
0: And you know what I like the fact that n- neither of them are like the heroes of the story. Like in Ocean's Eleven, you have George Clooney, who's like kind of the like you want you're rooting for him. I'm not rooting for either of these two. Maybe George, because I feel as though he's redeemable. That's fair.
1: I mean, I hope the I hope the pizza guy.
0: <laughs> oh,
1: John John. <laughs> I hope John John becomes involved, but I don't. I don't. I don't think he probably will. I mean, you've got a Kraken plan, and it sounds like they put together. A ragtag team, I think is the quote. So I'm looking forward to some hijinks. I'm looking forward to a nice, clean heist.
0: Let's read the second part.
1: Everybody got their watches, bags of money and money orders out and listened to James as he ran through each one of the different plans one by one in his frantic but determined tone. He talked very clearly in an authoritative and focused manner as everybody thought back to their experience of the night earlier.
0: Okay, let's get each of our members into different positions. Darlene, get us the diamond engagement ring using your favourite knife. It will be easier because this time the ring will have everything but one jewel. Terrence and Todson will be carrying an AK-47 or even more deadly weapons since the police don't even care if we're carrying guns or knives and we're attacking the department to steal this expensive equipment. So as we move to a spot called the rear parking lot, it is best not to worry about being seen or noticed by anyone because Terrence will be on fire from his rifle so that you don't hear anything. The guards in this building also seem friendly. They're nice, and we can always just ask them if anyone wants to help to get the equipment into this parking lot.
1: George was a bit unconvinced that the guards were friendly, but he gave them a nod anyway. He knew how much it took to get to that room. It was a total mess of broken doors and broken elevators and stairs, so it would be more fun to see if the two cops would help them or just stand aside as his friend. James continued
0: once we steal the power source the power switch on our van will be broken so we'll have to walk through the main entrance ourselves and get the power to power our van up using power cords mickey it's time for me to put on your uniform you'll be dressing up as a female police detective james thought
1: this sounded nice in its own weird sense so instead of just trying to mumble it he chose to explain exactly and mickey took a step back in awe Mickey picked up his outfit, a brown skirt that reached down below his knickers, two long dark black boots that turned into shoes when it hit his skin, and his usual red hat with white letters spelling "Mickey." He looked like the kind of detective whose parents lived and died without owning a television, but he did feel sexy and handsome enough with blue eyes and long brown hair, (laughs) and silver teeth like the boy in the IKEA home commercials. I mean, I I remember those commercials well. Vivid. Like (laughs) the boy with the silver teeth and the the folding
0: storage system. Finally, George, I want you to be an actor for me this month as our decoy, our secret agent living as a female police detective for two months in the ice-covered snow on the streets of Boston and then scavenging for food because you're not allowed by law to use cars. Can you do that? Mickey stared into James's eyes for several minutes
1: before nodding his head, winking at George. George winked back again at Mickey, and the rest of the room erupted into laughter and fun, with a lot of the boys getting the laugh of their lives, and the girls finding out all about the ice cream man who was about to steal their heart when he saw the IKEA boys' silver smile. There was a lot of back and forth between James, Mickey, Paul and Bob.
0: Who the fuck's Bob?
1: All of whom were feeling jealous because they weren't going to be living as a woman and that was a big deal, right? So James got George a lovely outfit, a white and blue top that said Ice Cream King, red lipstick, and a blue blouse with purple stripes to keep his manliness in check with purple ear flaps. With George undercover, they were ready to go out on a mission and to start the heist. On the way there, James told Bob that he's not allowed to talk because he's quite nervous around animals and it's really bad for his psyche to be talked to by an idiot in front of them. The team sang a song on a portable radio that everyone knew the lyrics to. Wet shampoo on water. Oh my god. (laughs) You want some shampoo? You better not waste it. You'll ruin my makeup line You need a shower, baby Hey, you'll never get in my pants We just met, but You know exactly how to dress I have my own
0: business When's it going to rain? I'll need some soap too You don't remember
1: your hair
0: type?
1: I remember that song well from my youth. Uh, I can't remember who it's by, but...
0: Bananarama.
1: Yeah. It's by the little Ikea boy with the the silver silver teeth. (laughs) The team soon arrived at the top floor of the building via the elevator, which was out of order due to the sheer amount of dirt the elevator used. The team had parked in a parking lot in order to sneak through as quickly as possible while avoiding getting caught on the radar. There were four guards in line of battle with no security or surveillance cameras in the buildings. They were arranged in a triangle as one unit of men watching over the power source. James signalled for his men to move and grabbed one of the guards guns with his long tongue to ensure everyone didn't get away. He's a mutant! (laughs) The men circled the area as if trying to determine from what direction the guards would be moving and then attacked the guards from all directions while a team of armed thugs surrounded the door at random, shooting indiscriminately. There was a skirmish, and they quickly began firing back. The noise was like sirens on a highway that only went from town to suburb like something in hell. It was really, honestly, terrible. James shouted above the noise.
0: All hands fire, all hands fire. Aim for every guard, and they will bleed in an orderly fashion. We must attack these men to ensure their death and get our hands on their power. We only have minutes of this to make this a better world for me and all who are alive. The government is on fire and I am fighting them. I must have a strong presence as well and I need to be the final one to ensure my team win. <laughs> James spluttered through gasps
1: and then pulled himself up to his knees. The sound was louder than the fire in its eye. He looked down at his face. He could never get rid of it. There he saw the burning blood covering his forehead. Where he saw a bullet hole. He had never seen his own. Oh, he's been shot. He looked at the team and they were laughing and celebrating, which he thought was a rather horrible thing considering how much he died in the next few minutes. George kept laughing as he saw his friend keel over dead, and George didn't care.
0: I always, okay, no, I, but I, I, I saw this coming, because I thought, I was like, George, you, I, you're planning something different.
1: James had long been a coward. George never thought twice of killing him. He lowered the gun and said to the rest of the guys,
0: We had been up against the wall, but he couldn't handle the power coming his way. If anyone has a problem they have, come up. Don't forget. I'll deal with it if you ask me. Really, if anyone has a problem, speak up. Or get on with something else.
1: His voice was like that of a dead rabbit that had run out of milk. Suddenly, George was afraid, all about his chest hair, which kept growing like crazy as he got colder. He didn't feel his arms anymore, but he loaded up the energy source into the pickup using a handkerchief he'd picked up. He looked around at his team and the dead guards before lighting two cigarettes and holding one out on either side of each foot he lit a third smoke before putting all his effort towards the last bullet he had before collapsing on his backside and firing it towards a large hole behind him containing a big cauldron of gunpowder the whole building exploded before landing in a pit of dark blue oil the team drove away in the pickup and George lit his two cigars to the sounds of thunder and the heavy clang of steel bullets as they rained down. I mean, so there's like, what, two cigars and three cigarettes now.
0: And they're in his feet, they're in his hands.
1: (laughs) He took a drag of each smoke and said,
0: Let this be one of the final exams in the history of gentlemen.
1: That's a pretty badass line, I think. If
0: I'm honest, it's the most badass thing that I've ever said.
1: As the pickup reached the city walls, the team split up and set up their own lives. Vinny the boy... I don't know if Vinny... Who did. the fuck is Vinny? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Vinny the boy spent his share on cleaning houses, while the other boy stayed behind to defend the giant pile of mashed potatoes he'd invested in.
0: <gasps> is Vinny the boy with the silver smile? He
1: might be the boy with a silver <laughs> smile and the giant pile of mashed potatoes. In the next few years, he'd go on to make thousands while working in his friend Rick's shop, selling a series of expensive and unusual trinkets in the shape of the word "good nice."
0: I think, if I'm honest, that would sell really well. To I would love
1: like a trinket that said "good nice."
0: Good it's, nice. It's just a shame <laughs> that "good
1: nice" is not a word. It is now. The demolition expert Ricky Fatty Far spent his cut. On a small barbecue of pork belly tossed alongside beans and gravy he invited a couple of dozen family associates along with his own friends along but nobody wanted or bothered to so he died of hunger in the end
0: Oh, <laughs> oh. ricky
1: that's kind of sad all four of the gunmen worked together on a few of the most important jobs in this village planting corn cleaning wells butchering meat and gathering wood for building a makeshift fortification One of the gunmen, Raoul, became so deeply addicted to alcohol and drugs he would actually spend his mornings drinking out of a cardboard container full of his father's ashes.
0: Oh my god.
1: (laughs) James remained silent as he was executed by his friend. (laughs) That was good of him. But he managed to sustain a full beard until at least the morning of February, where he was placed on a scaffold alongside one of his friends as part of his funeral. Everybody threw a large number of empty bottles of champagne over him, and a good time soon ensued. As for George, he was found and charged by the local army for being too young to marry his childhood companion, Maria.
0: Okay, so everyone in this story is a (laughs) paedophile.
1: He was sentenced to seven strokes of death while the military danced their new heroism dance in the middle of an occupied village under curfew and was never seen again.
0: And that's it. Uh, that's it. Oh, that's all. That's the whole story. Oh, my God. You know what? But it, we did. It, I like how it tied up at the end.
1: I mean, there was kind of an element of like the op gone wrong, you know?
0: But I mean, like, well, James died. And yeah, to be fair, uh, his funeral is exactly how I'd want my funeral to go.
1: I'll remember that.
0: I want to be propped up by one of my friends. Yep. Yep. On a a scaffold. (laughs) And then I want people to chuck empty champagne bottles, which I'm guessing they've already drunk.
1: Well, because it said uh, a a good time soon ensued.
0: Uh, and I'm guessing they're absolutely pissed. (laughs) Yeah.
1: The entire building blew up, which is a recurring theme.
0: It is. Also, why... Was it just filled to the brim with gunpowder? <laughs> a cauldron, a, a cauldron,
1: a of, cauldron gun- of gunpowder,
0: specifically cauldron of gunpowder. Well,
1: I don't. Maybe it was like a defense thing, like
0: a booby trap. How? What? Why? Why would you do that to a building? <laughs> maybe it ah. was like in case of siege. Just, just in case, we'll just, just blow the fucker up.
1: Yeah, just shoot the entire <laughs> cauldron. Make sure no one smokes.
0: Oh wait. George lit five cigarettes. <laughs>
1: That's true. He lit several cigarettes near this big cauldron of gunpowder, and then shot it. It wasn't even one of the cigarettes that set it off.
0: Which actually would be dope as hell. Though.
1: I mean, it sounds it sounds pretty like
0: badass. Yeah, like you like you know. The...
1: I would say this is the story that I would like turn into a film the most so far.
0: Oh hell yeah!
1: Uh, yeah. And I would definitely watch
0: that. Uh, now, who would you want to play James?
1: Um, <laughs> Sigourney Weaver. I don't know why that was my first.
0: Oh, mm, yes, absolutely, Sigourney Weaver. I just a, see it
1: as a career defining, defining role. Absolutely, because there is uh, there is cross dressing in it. Remember?
0: And you know what? Here's the thing. I think she would she play to the nines. Yeah. I think she will take this on with um a plum. A plum. Or a plum. <laughs> With a single plum.
1: Yeah. I have a new favourite simile, which is his voice was like that of a dead rabbit that had run out of milk.
0: What do you think that sounds like?
1: Well, I don't... Like, I'm, presumably, <laughs> I'm imagining, like, the corpse of a rabbit, first yeah. of all, but the voice is actually quite raspy because of the lack of milk. But also it's emaciated from not having enough calcium in its diet.
0: I just watched the milk. Can I, can I have some milk? No, no, shirt?
1: stop, stop, please stop. <laughs> um, we have to talk about the song.
0: Absolutely, and I, I'm not even joking. I love it. I. I'm
1: it's got some like real good zingers in here, and I, I, I plan on using these uh, in my next rap battle. You'll ruin, ruin my, my makeup, makeup line. line. Absolutely. I, mean, I just the you wearing my makeup line will devalue it. That's I, that's the burn. Hey, you need a shower, baby.
0: You'll never get in my pants. Absolutely. Shampoo
1: on water it's kind of it sounds poetic like I don't know I was about to like oil and water like d- does shampoo and water mix I mean no, I feel like it like, okay, It kind so of lathers I guess
0: here's the thing yeah like you have like the, the suds like on the, the water some sub- sort of like surfactant and it's like yeah it's like I'm, I'm above you like yeah. shampoo on oh, water oh yeah yeah like obviously
1: <laughs> another pretty successful uh, adding for the algorithm I think I think it's it's done a good job um, I could follow what was going on
0: Oh, I think it did a great job. I, you know what? I would read this just by like to send me to sleep. Well, thank you. Are. Apparently, that's how
1: a lot of people do listen, but oh. when they're sending themselves to sleep, just like because it's it's a computer dreaming. That's the that's the entire conceit you
0: know what maybe it'll send you into some really weird dreams but fun yeah like you could dreams. you listening could... These,
1: these stories are about as weird as my dreams so your I, d-
0: dreams stress me out just hearing about
1: them. i dreamt uh last this is this is not relevant really to the podcast but i dreamt last night that i burnt down a hotel
0: jesus but that's <laughs> you used to work in a hotel that's something you could have done yeah
1: i was on like fire duty uh, which I never did in real life, but uh, I just and everyone died. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but I, I mean, I was alright. Anyway, uh, so tune in next time for another story. Um, yeah, I, we're taking requests. If you've got an idea for a story,
0: oh yeah, if you have an idea for a story, write in.
1: Uh, so if you've got an idea for for what sort of story we should write, uh, give us a little tweet at sleepy underscore computer.
0: Yeah, let us know. Because uh, I would, we'd love to hear from you and well no, I, no that's not true
1: if your idea isn't crap then we might use it in a future episode Um, bye I love you